Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Campus at the same time that 
this movement that's happening across across our nation. And by the way, if you haven't seen Jesus Revolution, it's at the theater. Recommend you go watch it. I just watched it whenever uh, it was last couple of days. Really well done. I find through most of it. It's powerful. And it shares a bit of the story of what God did in our country. And it's so interesting that it came out now. And at the same time that there is this movement again of God in some ways, maybe like hasn't happened before or for a long time. And there's something percolating. God is, is moving in a wonderful way. Our, our good friend Bob Jones, who is out of church many, many times, um, really impacted by life in a strong way. He's a prophet. One of the few people I can really say this is a prophet. And prophesied over my life, really calling over my life. I'll never forget it. One of the reasons why I've been ministered out of because of that, of the word he gave me. And I remember him saying probably 20 years ago, I don't remember exactly how old but I remember him saying, when the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl, God's going to start a revival. That was probably 20 years ago I said that. We were like, the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I don't know about that. Well, they won a few years ago, then they just won again on February 12th. Four days before that started, what happens in Asbury, right? At the same time, there's this, this beginning of revival. Really, a revival speaks of what God is doing in the hearts of His people, like in church. Like Christians, it's a revival of their hearts where the fire is lit again in really um, holiness toward the Lord and a renewal of our commitment to follow Him and forsaking all the other things we need to forsake. It speaks of His body being revived, revived. So it was vibed once, now it's getting revived. Right? That's what revival is. An awakening is different. An awakening is really, sometimes it comes from revival, it's a spillover, but it's really for the, the lost, for the unbelievers, where their hearts are awakened to what is real, and that God exists, and that I am made in the image of God, and He wants to live on the inside of me, and He can forgive me of my sins. That's, a, that's an awakening. And there have been four of those in America, if you're an American, there have been four of those throughout our American history. I think the first one was in 1740, lasted a couple years. There was one a little bit later, 1790s, within the 18, early 1800s. Um, then there was one, let me look at my notes. Well, the one we just talked about, 1970s, the Jesus movement. That was an awakening. That wasn't just in churches. It was a bunch of hippies getting saved. So there were four of them. I missed the one in 1857. So, third one was in 1857. I lost it for two years. I started from a, a businessman started turning in New York. It started to spill out. And then, next thing you know, you got tens of thousands of coming to Jesus. Then the fourth one was the Jesus movement. And then, of course, we've had some outpourings of the Holy Spirit separate from awakenings as well. Uh, you read about the Zoo Street in the early 1900s, or the Welsh Revival, or, of course, that was another country. Um, and God moved in the 90s, even from Toronto and Brownsboro, those type of, or Brownsville, excuse me, those type of things where the Holy Spirit was moving as well. You see, God, God just amazes me. I was, God is so good. He is so loving. He is so compassionate. 
turned over and I read this, it's like the heart of God is broken over and over and over and over. And the people that he has set aside to be his own, that he pours out his gifts on and his miracles and his signs and his wonders, and they constantly turn away from him. And then you see, then they're broken and they get all messed up and everything falls apart in their lives and they get enslaved and all those things over and over again. And then every time, what does God do? He comes after them like we were singing about tonight. He, he breaks down, he breaks down walls to pursue them and come after them again and give them hope and a brand new start and forgive them all over again. And set them on the course again. Slap them on the rear. You can do it. Go this way. And then, next thing you know, they get their eyes off onto the world or on the other false gods or immorality or whatever. And it's just it's the same process over and over and over again. I was reading a this passage in Hosea. There's a couple of them actually in the book of Hosea. One of them is where he talks about Israel's unfaithfulness. The Lord has to condemn their unfaithfulness again. And then he says, I'm going to make your way difficult. And then I'm going to allure you and bring you into the wilderness and speak kindly to you. I'm going to give you a vineyard from there. The valley of Acre is the door of hope. And you will sing from there as you engage in your youth. I'm going to give you another fresh start. You bring me to in Hosea 11, boy, similar. They've gone astray. They've gone after false gods. Pursued um, really spiritual adultery. All those things. And the Lord says, you didn't even know it, but it was me that was healing you. You didn't know it, but I was taking care of you. I had bonds of love for you. I was bending down and feeding you. You didn't even know it. And then he says this, So my people are bent on turning from me, but my heart is turned over within me, and all my compassions are kindled for. I have a wayward life. And that's, I guess, what in, in the scriptures Israel is likened to the wife of the Lord that is constantly going wayward. Going after other lovers. But the heart of the Lord is so full of compassion. All my compassions are kindled for her. Even when she does these things, I'm just going to keep pursuing. I'm just going to keep pursuing. And then, if you'll turn, I'll forgive her, back together again. That is God. That is God for us. It's amazing to me. Since God, when I think of our nation, you know, we've got the nation of Israel that are the Lord's people, and then we've got America, which in many ways our founders had this had heart for God, many of them, aligned the principles of our nation on biblical principles, aligned them with the Bible, completely imperfect, yet had some righteousness in them, we saw the blessings of God. In fact, it says in the song, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And our nation has been blessed because we invited him into our nation. This is why I remember 
looked across the cities, and I was with a bunch of Marines one day. Um, I was like, we traveling with them. I forgot where we were going. And I remember one of them was we were looking at the local people, and they were just kind of making fun of them for not being smart and all that stuff. And it hit me. Has nothing to do with that. Is why we, as Americans, doing well, and this nation we're in is not doing so well. It has everything to do with we have invited God into our nation and He blessed us. We are not smarter than other people from any other nation. It has nothing to do with smart. It has to do with a blessing. And then I think of the compassion of God over these two hundred and some years that we've had in history. To when, when we have turned, when people have gone astray, when the government on down, when the churches at times got hardened in the heart, God keeps coming after us. He just keeps coming after us. He just keeps pursuing us with his love, inviting us all over again. He is, my goodness, is he faithful? Is he faithful? Even if we are not, he is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. His grace and His compassion are tender. And how much more, even in this New Testament, we get to live in this new covenant with the Spirit of God living inside of us. His compassions are toward us. I believe that we, not only is God on the move right now, but I think, I don't know that this is it, but I think this could get much larger and even touch the world again and we get to be a part of it. Just as Jesus is the only answer. I believe God has been preparing you and preparing us to be a part of something much bigger than ourselves for a very long time. It's about the kingdom. It's about what he has planned, not what we have planned. Thank you God for that. He's got big plans. He has a blueprint for everything all the way to the end of time. And he's inviting us into it. And I have this, just a sense that he is up to some amazing things for us today. As a church, but as the body of Christ. And I was, I was reminded of this dream that I had. Um, January 4th, 2000, 23 years ago. So I want to share this dream with you. I've wondered when the time might be, and I'm wondering if it's now. I don't know for sure, but I want to share it anyway, in case it is. So in the dream, I found myself, you can put the first slide up, in that truck. That's a 1956 International Harvester. It's a truck that I grew up driving, learned to drive on a stick shift, no power steering. I um, used to get wood with it. Uh, so my dad's truck bought it before I was born. And um, in the, I had this dream where I'm sitting in it, but it's like it's new or newer. And I'm just sitting in it, so I'm heading before, I don't know where I am in the dream. All of a sudden, I see my grandfather, who had been gone for 20 years at this point, that means. But I see him walking toward me. He looks through the window at me, and he looks much younger, and I'm, I don't. He doesn't recognize me. He doesn't know who I am. So I haven't been born yet. So I think that it's kind of weird how this works. But he doesn't know who I am. So I know I'm not supposed to tell him who I am. So he just keeps walking. And as he passes the vehicle, all of a sudden the truck lunges forward. 
I'm in the driver's seat, but I'm not driving. And it just takes off and it picks up speed and it goes off-road. Now, this is four-wheel drive. This thing, this thing goes off-road and starts driving through and over rocks, shrubs, trees. And as it hits something, I walk like temporarily, I study that this keeps going, and then it, after it drives over trees and drives over shrubs, it picks up speed. It's going faster and faster and faster, and I am not doing anything. I'm just, I'm just along for the ride. And it was great for probably the first 10 minutes of this. Because it was just like, this is supernatural. I don't understand what's going on, but this is amazing. And then the speed got so fast that it started to scare me. And my sense of enjoyment and exhilaration turned into fear and panic. And I thought, I've got to slow this down in some way. And so I decided for the first time to hit the brakes. So I tapped the brake and it all the way to the floor. Nothing. So I start talking to nothing. And then I get even more afraid. And I'm trying to control this thing. And so I got the emergency brake. And that truck is on the ground. It's like right here and pull back. I did that, nothing. No brakes whatsoever. And the speed continues to increase. And so, last resort, you would never do this in real life, is what I did. I stepped it in reverse. Put the clutch in, put it in reverse, and let the clutch out, which would blow the transmission up in real life. In the dream, in a second, as soon as I put it in reverse, it didn't just stop, it changed direction. And now I'm going probably 20 times faster in reverse than I was going forward. Terrified. Absolutely terrified. And I turn around and look through the window, and there's my dad standing at where I started. Like in five, it took me like 12 minutes or so to get to where I was, and in split second, I'm already back at the start. And I'm about to run over somebody. My dad uh, jumps out of the way like this, drops what was in his hand for some planes and a glasses case. I run over those things, and the truck stops. And my dad doesn't recognize me either. He doesn't know who I am. And, you know, you know, starts talking to me about, you know, this was, this was a test drive you were getting. And then he says, you want to buy this vehicle? And he tells me how much it is. And uh, the dream's over. So I wake up, and I, I knew God was saying something. It was very vivid. I knew the Lord was speaking. And as I started to ask him about this dream, I thought he said something. One is that the International Harvester speaks of an international harvest for the end of the age. That God will do. And I might represent a portion of maybe some church leadership that's along for the ride. Not controlling it, not driving it, not stealing it even. Just along for the ride. And wherever this truck goes, you know, in the scripture, sometimes humanity can speak, or I should say, trees and wood can speak of humanity. And so I believe that wherever this truck was going, driving through trees, over wood, speaks of the harvest touching people all over the place, bringing them into the kingdom, reaching people that haven't been reached before. But the danger in the middle of this, and one of the things that I wanted to learn from, not to do, is to try and control 
And as I've studied um, moves of God in the past, whether it's the Wall Street Bible or other moves of God, people have made that mistake in the past where they tried to control it because it wasn't under their, their control. And they killed it. And so to me, this was a, a warning and a heads up to not try and do that when God decides to break out and do some stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if the ways that God does things in the future or even perhaps right now will not be like we think. And it could easily be overlooked or criticized. You could criticize that completely easily. And so that's going to be, I think that's something else that we have to make sure that we don't do is criticize or doubt what God is doing, even though the form might be something different than what we anticipate. So uh, those things, when that dream happened, and I've been praying to that, I wrote something about this a long time ago, 20 years ago. But it was just a, um, a week ago, before I started thinking about this dream, a week ago, uh, I was thinking about that and what I would share. And one of the things that I wrote down in my journal was that we are the Lord's vehicle. And it's so funny, you look at my journal. And the Lord is test driving us. I mean, I've never once thought about this thing in this moment. But the Lord is test driving his people to work out the kings for the real drive and what he wants to do through you and I. And you know, I've bought several vehicles myself. Now, you know, our five sons, they all have vehicles now. I've tested a bunch of cars. And I do similar things. Every time I test drive a car, so you do the same thing. You're looking for some stuff. You want to make sure the engine works, sounds good. You're listening for noises and weird sounds and things that don't seem right. You're testing the brakes. You're testing the lights. You're looking on the inside of the interior. You're, you're checking everything out to make sure that this is a good vehicle to purchase. That test drive, you're checking stuff. And I thought, you know, if we are a vehicle of the Lord, which 2 Timothy 2.21 says that we are his instruments, we're his vessels, or his containers, that he works through, we're his vehicle. He certainly, that the Lord doesn't tempt us, but he does test us. He tests us. He tested uh, people all throughout the Old Testament and in the New. See, the Lord is testing us because He wants to use us. It's not for something negative, it's because He wants to do some amazing things through us. And so I have this uh, couple of thoughts here on the Lord's testing us, His test drive of us right now. What kind of things is He looking for, and what kind of things does He want repaired before He purchases? Moves forward with with us, and you know one of the biggest things you look for in a vehicle is what's the engine condition. And I think the engine speaks of being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians five eighteen said, "Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit," because the engine is the power. Engine speak of power for a vehicle, and with that it also runs all the other things that go on there. Using your alternator and cranking um, the alternator up, charging things. It speaks of power. And so we need to stay full of the Spirit. No 
when Jesus gave that story about the ten virgins with half of them the lamps full and half of them dumped. It was keeping your lamps full, which speaks of staying full of the Holy Spirit in every situation. And every aspect. How do we stay full of the Spirit? We focus on Him and we see Him often. We see Him often. You've heard me many times talk about standing at the bottom of the waterfall, looking up and getting refilled with the Holy Spirit. We can do it daily, we can do it weekly, we can do it monthly, moment by moment, fill me, Holy Spirit. I want to stay full of the Holy Spirit. Some four people record the Bible were full of the Holy Spirit. Some had some, but then you have others that stay full. So the engine of what God is looking for us is to stay full of the Spirit. Second thing I was thinking about is the frame, the interior, you know, the structure of the vehicle. I think that speaks of our daily relationship with God, our devotion to Him, what we were talking about a month or so ago. That simple devotion to Him, that relational health with God that is constant. We want to keep that strong, keep that ever-present, that in my mind every single day is this is a relationship with Jesus. I want to ask Him questions Listen to him. What does he want to say to me today? And stay close to him in relationship. And I thought of the you know, things we always do, at least when I was in the vehicles, I'm trying to let you what's the service system sound like? I think that speaks of our mind and what we're dwelling on. Psalm 19:14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to God. May the words of my mouth that I speak and the meditation of my heart, what's going on here in my mind, touches my heart. The Hebrew heart includes the mind. What's going on? What am I meditating on? What am I listening to? Is it the right kind of thing? Or is it not the right kind of thing? I want to get rid of thoughts and get rid of sounds and words that are hurting my soul, that are damaging my spirit, or at least um, causing me to be, to not live in faith, really living, that's the last one. You know, one of the things I always do is check out the lights, and I touch on a vehicle. What, what are the lights inside and out? But if you have no lights in a vehicle, that is difficult to drive at night, if you have no lights. Have your lights on. To me, lights speak of faith. Lights speak of faith. If there's something that the Lord has kept me on and helped me with over time, my Christian walk, then many, many times He has convicted me lovingly about me not living by faith. Since the just live by faith, or the righteous one lives by faith. Romans 1 17. It's also in 2 Corinthians 5 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is absolutely essential. I'm not talking about just the faith that I'm going to be together with God in heaven forever once I die. But faith that He lives in me right now. And He could do anything through me if I allow Him and He wants to. There's this faith that God could move in this moment because he lives in me. And anything could happen. And you know what? I think at least not in my life, I'm guessing for most Christians, that is a 
element of faith tends to grow dim. You know, like the headlights grow dim. You have old headlights and they get dimmer and dimmer over time. And our faith is supposed to be bright, strong, helps us to move forward. We walk by faith. If I don't have faith, I'm not living by faith. In fact, the Bible says to examine yourself and make sure you're in the faith. Make sure you got faith strong on the inside. Here's what that means for me. For me, it is am I looking during the day when I'm around other people to give someone an encouraging word? Am I looking to pray for someone? Am I looking for an opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus? Am I looking for an opportunity for Him to move through me? That is faith to me. Am I trusting Him that I'm here not just to survive, but I'm here to allow rivers of living water to come out of me? And if I'm not, it's all just my world. You know, we can just, I can just go through the motions each day, living life. I can read the Bible, I can pray, but I can also not live by faith in you those things. God wants us to live by Faith. faith in the Son of God, faith that He is in me. That's one of the things I think that goes away as well in addition to faith in our thinking is suddenly we find ourselves living separate from God. He's up there, but not in here. And I have to refresh myself. No, you are in me. When I look in the mirror, behind those eyes is the Spirit of the living God because He lives inside of me. It's the mystery as Paul says in Colossians, the mystery is that Christ in you, the hope of glory. This great mystery, mystery that Christ lives inside of you and I. When I walk by this faith, testing myself regularly, am I in the faith today, Matt? Lord, is Matt in the faith? Not just theologically. Am I in the faith where I believe that you're in me and anything could happen today? You might want to do some amazing things through me today. You might have me step out and pray for someone. You might have me say something. Am I in the faith? Or am I nominal today? I don't want to be nominal. I don't want to be in cruise control. And so the Lord's test driving us in a good way. Because He has a mission for every single one of us. Multiple missions. Some are missions that your whole life is focused on, some are missions that are short-term missions. It's like, he's got an assignment for you today, he's got an assignment for you this month, he's got an assignment for you this quarter or this year. And they all go together. What's the mission that God has for you? Do you know your mission right now? I think that's important. What are you giving yourself to? What mission are you on? I was thinking that, you know, when God made out of me, there were two people on the planet to start it out with. At the time of Jesus, there were 200 million people on the planet. So it went from two to several thousand years later, 200 billion. And then by 1930, 2 billion. And you know what we have today, right? 8 billion. We just the 8 billion number this year already. So that's 40 times the amount of people on the planet since Jesus was here. A lot of people on the planet, and a lot of people to reach. A lot of people to reach. So that's why the Lord used this force multiplier of his kids that are living by faith, that are living by his compassion, his love, 
so that the world can be touched, so the world can be changed. We are here to help make disciples, save those, lead those to Jesus, grow people in God. There are 140 million births per year and 60 million deaths. That's a lot of deaths. God wants to save people before they pass on and die. And we're here. I've got some good friends that are heroes of mine. Uh, one of them, I'm going to talk about my friend Tony. His name's Tony Gooch. He lives in Colorado. I was just with him on this last trip. Catholic, he's been going there many years. I did another trip with him probably a decade ago. And he is just a business guy who works for his contracts for the military. And I was working for the um, what's our Space Force. Contracts for them. But what he does with his spare time, almost vacation time, he does missions. And he just takes off. He's not a doctor, but he leads now 20 to 30 doctors and nurses on medical missions every time he has a vacation week. And he goes to Africa. In fact, he's the one who went to this village that I just went to. He went there first for the medical mission, served as Muslim community, then we brought water. So I think they could hear the gospel because we'd already loved them a whole bunch. And they were open, but Tony has been doing this all over the place. And he got into it just by saying, God, I don't know how you can use me. And he went on a mission trip to somewhere else. And God spoke to him while he was there about something different. And now it's just this dozens and dozens of people at a time that he's bringing over and they're healing people naturally and spiritually in many, many ways. Um, my friend Claire, who used to go to our church, I took her on a mission trip and uh, I called her my friend who was my five-star hotel Starbucks girl before the trip started. If you know Clara, you know what that means. That's just who she was. And the trip was tough for her. But by the time she got back, God birthed something in her, and she's been living there for probably eight years now. She moved to Africa, and she takes care of children. She feeds them and clothes them, and those who are suffering with AIDS, uh, born with HIV from their parents, she's ministering to them. Uh, Carol, here in the room, ministering in Asia, waiting until she was Carol Holder, when you first went to Siberia? 50s? 51, 54? 51. Started at 51. First time going on a mission. And then, what does God do? Puts and bursts in her all kinds of other things to touch hundreds of thousands of people. What is your mission? Does it have to be Africa? Asia? Could be. Winston-Salem, neighborhood, this church, so many ways to serve, so many ways to be a part, but we want to be about the Lord's business, our Father's business, as Jesus said, in serving others, helping others, and watching what He birthed on the inside to help other people. There's no time to delay with, and it's not like a panic, and it's not like uh, drivenness, but it's an invitation from the Lord to be engaged in what the Spirit has for you in your purpose and your mission. Here on the earth, while it's light, as the Bible says, while it's like work in the day, while the light is shining, there'll be a time we won't get to do this. But now is the time. 
God's time to be light in life. Mark 4, 29, last scripture says, But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. When the crop permits, he immediately puts the sickle, because the harvest has come. There are harvest opportunities out there for all of us right now. And say, Lord, show me that my eyes see the harvest that you want me to have a sickle to. You don't need to get involved in this. You don't need to get my hands involved in my heart leaning towards. Sometimes it's supporting someone else's ministry. Whether it's financially or prayerfully or going, being a part. But we want to all, all hands on deck, have that, that saying come to me this week that is near the time for all hands on deck. But we are all going to be really involved in what. God is doing in the earth. And so, Lord, we just right now just say thank you that you are so full of compassion. Thank you for reviving hearts, for reviving churches, for reviving us, for reviving our nation, those who have known you. Lord, may your revival sweep this land and then go to all the other continents as well. And may your awakening take place. Lord, we ask that we turn to an awakening across the landscape. That hearts would come alive in you. That those who don't know their purpose would see it. People who don't know their love would find it. Lord, that you would fill the recesses of every heart. Make yourself known. Raise up your name. Bring glory to yourself, Jesus. We want you who deserve the reward of your sacrifice to get your reward. Lives, people, souls. Thank you, God, for this church, for these people, for all the purposes that are in this room. What you put on them and in them, some of them since they were little kids, you give them dreams and visions and things. You put a passion for a people group, a tribe, a neighborhood, a city. Lord, we ask that you would put to all of those dreams and visions. Lord, I ask that you put plans to it that you bring inspiration. Lord, I pray for all of the hands that are in here as they serve and as they get involved that you would bless them and that you would use them. May your healing come through these hands that are in here. May your words come across our lips. Words of salvation. Words of the gospel. Of the good, glad, merry news that makes people want to leap for joy. Words of deliverance and setting the captives free. Words where demons are kicked out. Use us, Lord, in this great kingdom of yours. And we thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.